0: This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Um, I'll explain um why this segment is entitled Mento Mori. But first, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, to some of you who um, maybe knew new. I'm not sure about the carryover from my original podcast, the Saint Longinus's Baptism podcast channel. Um, I I got through. I want to say about maybe halfway through that particular. Um, that particular podcast, and I started two segments. Actually, I started three segments. I started Random Thoughts, Rants, and, um, the readings from the St. Andrew's Missile. Now, I do realize that the readings from the St. Andrew's Missile, have been kind of sparse. And I want to apologize. It's not as if there haven't been ma- uh, mass readings that haven't spoke to me. Um, I allowed myself basically to, to, get, to, to get distracted. Um, so I'm still going to do the rants, the random thoughts in the St. Andrew's Missile readings, but I'm going to add two more segments. One is I'm going to add uh, readings from divine intimacy and I'm going to have a new segment called Mento Mori. I'm going to do, when I do my divine intimacy episode, I will explain what's behind that particular book. Um, but this, but this episode is the introduction to Mento Mori. Mento Mori is Latin, obviously, and what it means is. Basically, um, remember, you could die at any moment. Um, or it could mean, um, uh, basically, you could die at any moment. Now, to those, once again, I'm not really sure. I've had any carryover from my original podcast or not, but if you were there from the very beginning of the St. Longinus' uh, podcast channel, the one of the themes that runs throughout not just that podcast, but this one as well is, is I try to tell people you need to get right with God in the proper way before it's too late. Complacency and presumption are your worst enemies in this day and age. And so the Lord and His Blessed Mother over the past I don't know uh, at least three or four days it has been um it has been on my mind that I should do a segment called Menamore and given oh and by the way mental Mori despite the pagans using it, as basically an excuse to eat and drink for tomorrow we die kind of thing, um, is a very Catholic concept and it dates back from the middle ages. When exactly, um, it got started or how it got started. Um, I'm not sure. I know it was a thing in the Middle Ages, though. If you go to uh pagan, I uh I cannot oh, I'm sorry, not pagan. Please forgive me, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. If you go to uh, medieval Catholicism um images, or for that matter, um if you look at some of the architecture in churches and cathedrals, you will see skulls. And in the portraits of saints in the Middle Ages, they're pictured with skulls. That was for Mentomori, meaning that especially the saints were aware that at any, any time that they could die and to leave and to live each moment for God. Thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. That's what I meant to say earlier, that we could die at any time and we're supposed to live for God, live each day for God and his blessed mother. Um, So this is a very Catholic concept. Now for you seculars out there, don't get it twisted. I know that there's, you know, a lot of a lot of pagans out there and literally a lot of pagans out there. Use it. Well, it depends on the person, of course. In the course of this weekend, um I was just going through the internet and I noticed a lot of the Mento Mori quotes were the skull was on a uh, a quote of like um oh what was his name um he's a famous Stoic philosopher a Roman Stoic philosopher, um, Aurelius. Thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. If it didn't have the skull, it had mento mori and then the quote from Aurelius. Now, this goes back to what I've always said, that anybody, anybody can have a grain of truth. Now, the truth is the truth. They may be saying it for the wrong reasons or the wrong intent, but the, the truth is the truth. Now, some of the more secular, um, like professors and stuff, actually most professors are, will say that stoicism, um, influenced Christianity. These are the same 300 IQ takers that insist that um, St. Paul the Apostle was influenced by Platonism, where I've actually gotten into arguments online about this. Um, Just as a quick autistic aside, uh, for those of you who may not know, St. Paul before his road to Damascus moment, was a rabbi. If you read his epistles, I'm not sure which epistle it is, he mentions the fact that he was a rabbi and that his teacher was the famous Jewish rabbi Gamil. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's the same uh, rabbi Gamil that's uh, mentioned in the book of Acts. And anybody who isn't trying to be something that they're not, i.e. smart or smarter than they are, knows that at the time when St. Paul wrote his epistle, pious and devout Jewish rabbis would have nothing to do with the pagan Roman and Greek authorities, they would have nothing to do with them because they were pagan. Now, there was a Greek influenced school um, in Alexandria, Egypt, but Paul wasn't, you know, had as far as I can tell, was never in Egypt. So, um, I think this is the case of what I always talk about where people are trying to fit Catholicism to suit their ends. And especially to the Vatican II sect members, because the whole purpose of Vatican II is to corrupt. Traditional Catholicism, and make it more uh, natural. And when I say natural, just just substitute the word worldly. You know that God had nothing to do with St. Paul's um, spirituality. He he just picked up Platonic Platonism, Platonism. Thank you, Mother Mary, and Lord Jesus. Platonism. And then he just put a Catholic facade on it. Now, I'm not saying every Vatican II sect member, you know, that is their intent and their purpose. However, when they say stuff like that, without knowing the full facts of the matter, that is what they're implying unconsciously, that God had nothing to do with it. That, you know, through rabbinical training, he had picked up Platonic, uh, Platonism, and then when, um, you know, he had his road to Damascus moment, he took Platonism and he Christianized it. And by the way, when people do this kind of garbage, they're unwittingly assisting the evangelical atheists or the people's... People who are um, hostile to true to true Catholicism. Anyway, I went f- far afield as I'm to do sometimes. So the whole purpose of the mentomori, Mori. I've already stated that anybody with two eyes in the brainstem knows the fact that we could die at any minute, so every day we should be living for God is one of my themes. Um, So the segment that I'm going to call Mental Mori, this is my intent, how it actually turns out is another issue, is going to be um I might take a secular topic or um a spiritual topic and I might expound upon how um living for god every day and realizing you know on, and how this ties into every day might be your last Thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. Just a quick bit of Catholic history. Um, Mental Mori also gained greater meaning during the bubonic or Black Plague. I want to say it happened in the late 14th or the, or I'm sorry, the early 14th or the late, 13th centuries. Um, because, and by the way, take you know, you don't have to believe me, uh, Bishop Sanborn, when he was uh, on True Restoration Radio talking about the history of the Catholic Church, mentioned the fact that you would have some people during the Black Plague who would get up you know, during the, in the morning and by the afternoon, they just drop that, you know, say like it's a farmer. he get up in the morning, he do do his thing, and then while plowing his field or, you know, doing, uh, helping his kids out or whatever, would just drop that with no visible symptoms of the bubonic plague. And he talks about how the Black Plague actually there were two reactions to it um those who were a little more uh secular in their thinking it scared them into living for our lord and his blessed mother more and on the other end of the scale what i always go back to of uh, Some people, it was like, well, today's my last day. I might as well uh, fornicate, get drunk, and whatever, because I could drop dead tomorrow. That last attitude kind of led to the sensuality and the worldliness that entered into Christendom. Um... Around the time of the beginning of the Renaissance. Now, I don't want to make this into a history lesson. Um, the, Some of the more extreme examples of the worldliness of the Renaissance Popes. And I'm not claiming to be an expert here. You take it for what it's worth. I think... That, um, the, just having, you know, having had the Black Plague, because if I'm not mistaken, I think the Black Plague ran for like a hundred years in, you know, in series, but that might have been a factor in the sensuality of Renaissance Catholic art and sculptures and architecture. But I think a lot of it too was was that a lot of the pagan, Roman and Greek writings and their their art and stuff were being uncovered. And some of these popes admired the beauty of the the art the prose, um, the sculptures, and wanted to kind of interject that into uh, Christendom at that time. Now, just as a quick disclaimer, once again, I'm going to remind the 300 IQ takers out there that unlike the fake popes of the Vatican II sect, the Borgia Pope Alexander VI and his contemporaries of the Renaissance may have been very sinful in their private lives, but they were orthodox in their teachings. We have had sinful popes, but... Um, we've never had a heretical pope. Well, I mean, obviously, up until quote unquote John the Twenty Third. So, for you three hundred IQ takers. Oh, and by the way, Saint Robert Bellarmine talks about this. But seeing since how a lot of people seem to be allergic to doing their own research, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, True Restoration Radio talks about it. Go to any set of a contest, uh, a podcast, they'll tell you. Anyhow, so the mental Mori thing. So basically, the the concept of living for God today for tomorrow you die was in uh Middle Ages Catholic thought prior to the bubonic plague, but during the bubonic plague era, it increased in its intensity. And um, after the Protestant revolt and the breakup of Christendom, obviously. Individual Catholics or individual saints um, did the um, you know Mento Mori was was a uh, philosophy or way of living, but it kind of it kind of lost traction, and now it's being resurrected again. Ironically enough, mostly by the Vatican II sect, the Neotrad members, and the pagans themselves, which, since the Neotrad's are pagans themselves, you draw your own conclusion. So, to make a long introduction shorter, when I do the Mento Mori segment, and like with the random thoughts in the rants, I will put the topic in the district description box. Um, but it's basically going to be about how living for God today, like it may, like today may be your last day, ties into whatever topic I'm talking about. So. That's the introduction to the mental Mori segment. I really appreciate you. Give me your time. I do. I'm praying for everybody. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. And I hope and pray that these new segments will be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, edifying. Thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, edifying. So God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.